Welcome, guys, back to the Grateful Living Podcast. Today, I'm thankful to have Kristen Durand and Jeff Durand with me today. Kristen is a registered nurse in her day-to-day, and Jeff is a senior VP of digital health and life sciences at a software company. In January of 2016, Jeff and Christine's daughter, Meg, unfortunately passed away from a mental health battle. Uh, Christine and Jeff will uh, talk about kind of their journeys uh, and you know, Meg's journey. Um, before I, I begin and ask questions, I just want to thank um, Kristen and Jeff for doing this. Um, this takes a lot of, um, you know, vulnerability. Um, it's going to probably be emotional. Um, and, you know, hopefully the ultimate goal is, is to continue to destigmatize, continue to, you know, live with the spirits of the people we've lost and um, hopefully prevent others from feeling the way we do um, by doing that. Um, and yeah, as I said, you know, there may be pauses, um, there may be crying. I want to give you guys that time. Um, if you need it, if you need a break, just let me know. Um, and then again, if you, if you don't want to answer anything, uh, you can say so as well. Uh, Kristen and Jeff, thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. Arnie. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, so, you know, kind of maybe set the scene for us, you know, of, you know, your family, um, you know, uh, you know, where, where you guys were living, um, you know, how many kids you have, where Meg falls into that, um, just kind of set it, maybe the scene for the starting of your family. Sure. Um, we're the parents of four daughters and at the time, we lost Megan. Um, Megan was 20 years old. She was a sophomore at High Point University. And we had a daughter uh, three years older that graduated from Villanova and then a junior and senior in high school. Um, so four, we had four girls in seven years. So pretty crazy, <laughs> really fun, loud, loving house. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- can you, know, you just just yeah oh in Acton, Mass. yeah we're yeah, in Acton, Ac- Massachusetts yes. yep a uh, suburb of Boston uh can you describe you know Meg as a as a child for us you want me to go with it sure she's um spirited <laughs> so super spirited she was so precocious when she was little um she was really active at a young age um she would, she'd dig her heels in to get her own way. She knew what she wanted, but she, she truly from the time she was born lived every emotion to the fullest. So if she was mad, she was mad. If she was having a great time, she was having the best time of everyone. And really um, just, she was charismatic. Yeah. Um, I think she, um, everybody flocked to make, she was like a, she was like the flower. She was, a, um, yeah, a magnet for just everyone wanted to be friends with her because she was so much fun and just exudes so much just confidence, happiness. And just she just loved to have fun. She was a huge jokester and just mm-hmm. she just loved that. Yeah. There are certain people in life where, you know, their energy and their smile are contagious. You know, Meg was, was certainly 
one of those people and, um, you know, was a cheerleader uh, at AB as well. Um, so you could definitely see her on Friday nights at the football games. Yeah. Uh, I guess, um, you know, not to go right into it, but maybe do you remember maybe the first time you maybe thought she was dealing with mental health issues? Um, I remember exactly when. Um, well, there were two things that happened that might have happened the same day or overlapped somehow, but we um, found out from a friend of Meg's that she had been cutting. And um, I'm not sure if we approached her first or she came to us that day and, and it was just around the same time, but she, she wrote us a letter and just said, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm hopeless, basically. Um, yeah. That's how it started. And that was ninth grade. She was in ninth grade. Um, yeah. Well, I guess what, um, at that time, how did you approach the situation? Did a uh, lot of reading. <laughs> yeah, well, definitely that, but I mean, I did, I'm a, I'm a nurse. I'm, I'm, I have a psychology minor. I did called her pediatrician, got her into a therapist, got, went to see the guidance counselor, um, talked to her every day. You can tell us anything. We're here for you. Um, anything you want to change schools you know i mean we 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 put it all out there and um and followed her lead a lot yeah i, I think we we did a good job of saying don't do that right it was more as we learned that self-harm is a it's an escape it's a coping mechanism um how, you know, how do you avoid that? How do you have other coping mechanisms? And, and it took us a long time to figure out how to cope. <laughs> yeah. How was, um, how was that initial period of, you know, going to therapy and you uh, know, how did she respond? She fought it. She hated it. <clears throat> she, okay. It was torture. She said, you know, and that's another part of the issue with mental health is for every outstanding therapist out there, there's probably 10 people that just hang a, a, a sign. And I, she said, mom, if one more person says to me, you know, how does that make you feel? Or she's like, why, why am I, why would I be here if I felt good? You obviously I'm not feeling good. And the other thing she hated, and I think that the mental health field can learn about this is repeating her story, right? What brought you here? Well, terrible things brought her there. And to have to repeat that and rehash that, I don't think it serves a good purpose. And, and for her, so, you know, the, the professionals are saying she has to be in therapy. Now, I think some of this is beginning to change. There's other alternatives, but back then it was like therapy, try some medication. And these are your options. And, and so one, well, and it took us a while to even get to that, you know, it was, um, I, I, we learned over time on of that, um, you know, trust was a big factor for Meg with adults. Yeah. yeah. She didn't trust adults. Mm. And she had good reason not to, uh, the first 
major thing that she trusted us with was some intense bullying that was going on at the high school. And, uh, and she begged us, begged us not to tell her guidance counselor who mm. was our older daughter's guidance counselor and who she loved and had a good relationship with and who we loved and respected very much. But we knew we had to tell him. And yeah. so we did. And he, I think he followed all the proper channels. Um, but lo and behold, uh, she, things kind of died down for a couple months. And then it started up with a vengeance online. Um, we had our house egged and toilet papered and someone. What a bomb. We had a, we had a homemade bomb was in our mailbox. Oh, man. Um, so these boys, they were boys. Um, they didn't, they, they got more aggressive. They would go, you know, repeatedly. And one of the boys who was involved three weeks before Megan died said on one of the social media platforms, go ahead, Meg, Meg Duran, why don't you go kill yourself? Um, and he was one of the original bullies. Man. So oh. it, it wasn't, and then she didn't come back and tell us I mean, we knew those things had happened, but of course we're, we're like, Meg, it's, you know, it's not you. These boys are, we're just trying to do the adult thing, ignore it. You know, we'll go, we'll go back to, um, by the time we went back to the guidance counselor, I don't know, it probably took another year. And then they brought the police in and then it, for the most part stopped. I mean, that yeah. kind of behind the scenes online thing kept coming up here and there but the brunt of it stopped at school at least which was a relief to meg man i yeah. i uh, i'm sorry that she was going through that um i guess you know it then became it took a more serious tone senior year or yeah so um she would you know she this is not un usual she had several hospitalizations i mean aside from her good friends i don't think many people in the school knew because she kept her smile on and she went to school a lot and she was a cheerleader and she you know she's very involved um had her a really nice boyfriend so all that on appearances looked good but in between that she would be hospitalized for a week here and there and um and she hated that. And yeah. she, she wanted it. Helpful. She wanted it, but she hated it. Like she thought that would fix her, but then it was awful. And so, yeah, it came to a head um, her January of her senior year. Yeah. January senior year. And she had a very, very, very serious suicide attempt where the doctors told us she was probably 30 minutes from death. And she spent several days in the ICU. And um, yeah, we just, we were at that time lucky. Um, I won't get into the details, but I, uh, a friend found her and. And I was home. Uh, it was awful. No, no, that was a different, you're mixing. Uh, <laughs> he's mixing two different times up. Okay. The, that's right. That's when Judy. Yeah. yeah. The time that you were actually in Chicago or something. Yeah. In California yeah, when that, yeah. when the really, really serious one. There was another attempt that was, um, I'd say they call, they call it soft, you know, like she wasn't going to die from her injuries, but it was, she did do it while Jeff was working from home one day. 
Wow. And and it, it's so well. You tell them how you're like. How could this be? I'm right here. Yeah, yeah. I, well, you just you, you're you 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 think about it as a parent. I'm right here. Come down. Talk. And, <laughs> and we didn't. We didn't have. We had a good relationship with Megan. Like there, we had normal probably. You know, parent child bantering. But we we didn't have. Neither of us had like this just awful relationship with our child where she couldn't talk or I think she more didn't want to disappoint us to be honest yeah. than than it was that she she didn't want to burden anybody yeah, yeah. That's, that's one well, that's one of the tough things with this stuff is mm -hmm. that you you willing to do anything for anyone else but your self-care is just not at all good right um mm -hmm in those, I mean, say as much as you want to say, but in those times afterwards, you know, having those conversations with her on what was going on, was it, were you able, were you starting to see some positive directions be had or in terms of looking more hopeful at life or how was the... Yes, um, after, so... After that suicide attempt, we told her we this was we couldn't handle having her. We couldn't trust ourselves with her. Yeah, we couldn't protect her. We we said we for your sake, you need to go into some kind of a long term program. We can't do this, and um, and that's a huge complication. Right, and and I think we're we're I lucky, mean, we're fortunate because we had financial resources. We had that, resources both, you know within our family and and a very supportive yeah. family and community and friends and i feel bad for people that don't have those and you, you gotta figure it out on your own yeah it's hard it's yeah. really hard but so she did uh, she did a program yeah. at mclean hospital and, that's and we learned and we had to do it too um we had monday morning classes it was uh, it's called DBT, Dialectal Behavioral Therapy, and they teach you steps, self-care steps, um, how to um, uh, how to cope, how, how to cope, yeah, how, how to how to validate, how um, to to recognize that that they are that what they're feeling is real, um, even though when you hear it as a as a parent, you're like. Why would you ever think that? But you mm. don't want to say that. Yeah. Yeah. To um, oh, we learned so much, and um, and Meg did too. And in fact, she took a core a psych course freshman year in college, and her her teacher said um, to her, you know, I think she shared a letter that she had written, that the t professor wrote to Meg. She said you should actually be up here teaching the class. You, you know so yeah. much. So it really did settle in. And, and a good thing that came out of that is when she, she, obviously her troubles didn't stop. It's not like a miracle. You go to this course, this hospital stay, and now you're all better. Yeah. But then Jeff and I had the words and the language. So when she said, I'm having a really bad time, I, I cut today for the first time in six months, I could say to her, um, did you, did you try taking a shower? Yes, that, well, that was bad because then the razor was right there. Well, maybe, maybe next time 
take a shower, but lock your razors up like in your drawer. So you have to really make it that extra step. We had language to mm. talk about her coping skills and help her. Um, um, but in answer to your question, she, yes, we saw a lot of improvement, but again, she was, she was, it wasn't like a miracle cure for in any way. Yeah. Um, and, and, um, we were encouraged that she went to college, um, just getting out of, you know, quite frankly, a toxic high school environment for that, her, it's a for new, her. it's a clean sheet, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think she was excited. She um, was really excited. Uh, New start. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, how, how much of um, dialogue do you know, did she have with her friends on, on what was going on? Do you know? With the, with the bullying? Or that, with her, yeah, yeah. Or that, with her mental health? Anything, yeah. I think she was really open about it. Yeah. With, okay. With a, with a circle of friends. That's um, awesome. And, and she almost, she had definitely had a dialogue with some of her friends, um, with, the, with a good group, really supportive group of friends. Um, and I also found out afterwards and saw a little myself that if she ever saw someone younger being picked on or thought they were having a bit, bad day, or, I mean, she just... She just scooped the, those kids up and, and was, she knew how everything she learned, she knew how to give to someone else. Mm. She couldn't do, do it herself, herself as well. Yeah. She couldn't do that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I guess, do you want to then go to her sophomore year then? I don't I mean, yeah. Or if there's anything else that you want to well, say about. There is one more thing I wanted yeah. to add. Yeah. And this um, Meg was so fortunate to have so many great friends and I'm so glad that there's, um, that, that there's no stigma with mental health because kids need to share with each other so that they, cause you'll be like, Oh, I didn't realize you were feeling that way and look at you and what's working for you. It's really important. Um, sometimes I think some of the negative self-talk and this was this is not reflected on anyone in particular but just sometimes if you're if your baseline of friends are all going through a lot and that's all there is then maybe that's not the healthiest thing you 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 want to you want to also be able to um have good times and and um, see people who are functioning really well and what what's working yeah. for them. Yeah. Too. Um, and and you know, I give Ray a lot of credit for that. Yeah. He yeah. was he was a beacon. Very mm. much so. Yeah. 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 Help help with the highs and lows and not go. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah he just was steady and. Um, and he, and he accepted her. He supported her, but he didn't go down that rabbit hole with her. Yeah. He's like, oh, you need some time? Okay. And it yeah. which is how how um because we can't uh one thing that's not helpful is you have to validate the pain 
and all of it, but you also, as the, as the friend and the parent, the caretaker, you can't go down that rabbit hole with them. It's not helpful. Mm. And you, you can't fix it. They so, have to fix it. So the best thing you can be is that beacon of love and support. And I'm here. Um, yeah, and you provided all the resources that you could, you know, and that was a lot. Um, yeah. But. So you had uh, mentioned sophomore year. So, um, yeah. So freshman year was great. Um, that summer when she came home, I thought was good. She was really looking forward to going back to school. I think probably my gut instinct was that she was more troubled than she was letting on. And again, we were, we had an open dialogue, but um, with her history, she, she wasn't really someone who's like, yeah, I'm, I'm in, I'm having a really bad time or anything like that. Um, so she went off to sophomore year and long story short, started dating a, a guy um, who wasn't good for her. Um, he was at a minimum um, verbally abusive and also had put his hands on her a few times. Um, you know, not beat her down, but grabbed her and pulled her and um, manipulative very uh, it was bad and yeah. we actually got called to come down to the school in november um so that you know the administration knew about it and everything and they were doing the best that they could um well and credit to the administration they were like do you want us to remove this uh man from the from the college i mean i, I give high point so much uh, credit that they're they are so tuned into mental health um and and um for me as a parent kind of gave you a, gave you a lot of comfort because they understood you know kids are dealing with a lot of shit yeah yeah so i went down there i met with the mental health people um i met with Megan and this boy and um, said, we're not messing around. This is, you know, two strikes you're out. If any, if anything, we, this will be reported to the school and we've already, because of the other reports, they've assured us that your time here will be over. So, you know, yeah. uh, so that's, that's, that was a big thing that she was dealing with. Yeah. Um, that's a one lot of, one <laughs> for of, a 20 year old. Yeah. There were a lot. There yeah. were, she, <laughs> she, she had a lot of these sorts of things yeah. happen off and on. And, be included um, in things. She, sorority. Yeah. That the week before she died was just, she was dealing with, she had, she'd realized come to terms with the fact that really to protect herself, even though she liked this boy, that it, she needed to be separated from him, that it wasn't good for her mental health. 
um, at the same time had, you know, rush sorority and, um, and she, you know, she had done her, done her darndest to get up to a two nine because she had to have a three three zero to get into the sorority. And so she, all the sororities told her, you know, told her she they wanted her, but they have pretty strict rules that it, you had to have a three zero, and she just didn't quite have it. Mm. And um, and she's a social being, so like yeah. her social world in her mind was crumbling between that and the boyfriend. Um, you know, ending that, even though she knew it was the right thing to do, she was like, where's my place? You know, that, that, that was, again, those were triggers. That's yeah, not, that's that. not so many triggers at once. Yeah. So yeah, that's ending. And that's someone you've mm-hmm. held an emotional connection with that's ending this yeah. rejection. Stupid party. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, probably the, probably the icing on the cake was that that same weekend, uh, Meg attended a, a party at a dorm and um, one of her friends had a little too much to drink. And so they were in the um, common area and she was there with her friend. I think her friend was getting sick or something. And um, High Point has their own security detail. So the security had come over and Meg knew all the security guys because she broke her foot freshman year. So she had them all on speed dial. Um, she had a good rapport with them. Yeah. Um, this gentleman was helping out. And um, on, on weekends, they also have uh, a police, one policeman from the area just kind of on backup. Well, he, he somehow wanders onto the scene and starts kind of saying, you know, you need to get out of here to Meg and Megan being the assertive (laughs) young lady that she was said, well, I'm not leaving my friend. And they were writing her friend up for a ticket to say, you know, underage drinking, she was getting in trouble. Meg was not. Yeah. And they were letting her go back to her dorm room. Um, And they said to Meg, you know, you need to go. And she said, well, I'm just going to wait for my friend. I'm not leaving her. And so the policeman noticed the scars on Meg's arm and said, um, are you su- suicidal? And Meg said, this is the story she told me, I'm relaying. Yeah, 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 I am, right. No, these are old. Well, are you? Because um, if you are, you have two choices. You're going to jail or you're going to a psych hospital. Which do you want to do? And she was like, I'm not doing either of those things. And to which he said, yes, you are. It came a standoff. And um, she was arrested for disorderly conduct. Um, she was arrested. They Rock- took her by oh. her hands and her feet. They, she had bruises on her wrists, on her face. Uh, and she didn't, she even went back and asked anyone who was around. She asked, she didn't resist. She just was saying, what are you doing? What, how yeah. did this turn into me going to jail? Yeah. Well, so, and she refused to go to the hospital or not because yeah, yeah. she knew what that you, might entail. Yeah. You know yeah. what that entails. And yep. so she's like, all right. So she called me, it was one in the mornings before cell phones. Real Well, I have a cell phone, but she called on our home phone. 
I didn't have my cell phone at the bedside anyway. And she's like, hysterical mom, I'm, I'm in jail. They, they put me here because I was helping my friend and, and I said I wouldn't go to the hospital. And she's like, so upset. Yeah. And she said, um, they made me take all my clothes off. I mean, it was, it was oh, awful. Oh, it was oh, awful. Demeaning. Completely demeaning, like she was a common criminal. And um, that was a trigger. She well, and then and then the little person on the jail. It's like an old-fashioned North Carolina, you know, jail. And it comes on and says, "You, um, you need to put your credit card in, or this call will, is going to be, you know, it's going to end." I didn't have a credit card, and so it ended. So I called the jail right back. Yeah. And I spoke to the senior person on duty there and said, yeah, I just lost touch with my daughter. Yep. That was her one phone call. I <laughs> said, well, she's hysterical and she's in a really bad place right now. I really need to talk to her. Yeah. And he said, she's an adult and you can talk to, you can talk to her tomorrow. Well, she has to post bond. And you we talk have, to her, you got to post bond. And, and then it became, it was, it was a it, holiday. It, it was Martin Luther King day. It's just awful. So we, we did get her out by about 10 that morning. Um, but humiliating because then we had to go to her friends. It the whole the whole thing could have been handled. When we went down there, we met with the police. And I said, Yeah, you know what's interesting? A friend of mine's son was outside a party. Uh, had clearly had too much to drink was kind of acting up and you know what the acting police did they called his parents and told him to come get him i said or they took him home i'm like she her she wasn't drunk first of all she had a room here she also has a school with a psychologist on duty 24 7 who would have come to who who would have aided her if that truly was your concern Instead, it was, we'll show you. Mm. So uh, all of this, she was, she was completely mortified. It's so embarrassed. Um, you know, a lot of people wouldn't come back from one of those things. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. And then, I mean, and adding in like from the, the suicide attempt, all of that. Yeah. And then this, that was just the tip of the iceberg, I think for her, we do. Yeah. And, and we, and we said, we're, um, we had our plane tickets to come down for parents weekend. And I, and I said, well, we're going to come a weekend earlier because you have your court day and, and we want to be there for you. And so the Saturday before Meg died, we were on the phone. Um, we said, we'll see you. I think it was like the next week or something. We were coming yeah. down in a week or two yeah. and we were chatting and everything was normal. What are you doing? I don't know. I might be going to a movie tonight. I'm not sure. It was all, just a normal conversation. Yeah. So. Yeah. How do you find out? Um, we were watching a Patriots playoff game at a restaurant with really strangely, um, both of Megan's godparents who one was my sister and then, uh, her husband was there and then our, our best family friends, um, Dave and Diane and and they were there and it, they all know each other but the six of us had never exclusively done something together and I swear that 
God was watching over us, that we had Megan's godparents. Mm. We were, we all found out at the same time, essentially. I mean, yeah. it, when we jumped in the car, I already, you know, it, we hadn't had the official news, but um, Meg's roommate's mother called me hysterical and said that her roommate had found her and she wasn't breathing. So yeah. I don't really need a, a, you know, an official to tell me something after I hear that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um. How was, I'm sure the next couple of days were like a days. Weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Of course, you know, for us, logistics were painful because she was in North Carolina. We're in Massachusetts. And it's anyone will tell you um, with a suicide, I think it's universal. It's bullshit. It's, it's a crime scene. So we had family in North Carolina that, rushed to the school because we even though we know we our daughter had died we wanted someone with her mm. like physically near her yeah and they wouldn't let anyone near her they wouldn't and it's not they i mean it's i think it's pretty much how the other thing was at the time initially the boyfriend was kind of a person of interest they really didn't know what happened at yeah. first so yeah. they have to kind of go through those steps but yeah we don't get our daughter back for a week because wow. yeah. the autopsy, it's such a, they have like one coroner in the state or something. So she has to go from high point over to Durham. Ridiculous. I mean, she, it's wow. so traumatic. The whole thing is so traumatic. Maybe it was sooner because we went down there. Anyway, by the time we got her yeah. back, it was like four or five days. And then of course, then to get her back to Massachusetts and it was, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. And the only way we survived was our family and friends. I mean, we have. Yeah, I would agree. Absolutely yeah. most amazing friends and family. I'm just, I don't know how anyone does this without that support. Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously you have three daughters, so you're also having to be a rock for them and not necessarily process your emotions either. You know, I, um, I actually was so thankful I had three other kids because that gave me so much will to live, honestly. That for sure. Yeah. We had to, and, and we had to work through a lot with our kids after that too. Yeah. That's. There's a lot of, uh, Meg took a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> And you, you don't see it in the moment. But our two younger daughters. They suffered a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's their older sister. And, um, and we've apologized to them for not being there. And at the same time, knowing we had to be with Meg during those years. We... I, I'm not sure I would have done too many things differently. Definitely would have given them some more TLC. Not gonna lie. 
but we were, you know, you're, you're, I think anyone with more than one child, you're, you're dealing with what's in your face and in our face a lot. So, you know, so that's what we were dealing with for, for, um, four years, um, for sure. Well, more than that, but intensely for four years. Yeah. So. Um, on a ripples. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't even, uh, so are you, what are the, the next step? Uh, like, I'm sure you took some time off from work. You know, there's obviously the planning of the funeral. There um, were, um, yeah, we had help with that too. And, um, uh, I, I credit Jeff because I was in a complete fog and Jeff was able to do the administrative stuff. Um, and <laughs> I, you probably don't even remember. <laughs> I don't even know what I did. <laughs> he's, he's a Navy yeah. guy. So he's used yeah. to working under pressure. So yeah. he handled a lot of that. I mean, we also had supportive friends that like met with church people kind of ahead of time. And then we did. And, um, we had so many good people. Her former therapist at um, McLean um, lost her brother tragically and traumatically. Um, so she was able to explain some of the nuances of not only losing her child, but losing her child in a kind of violent way. And, and a, uh, that just adds so much to the, how you celebrate their life and how you grieve and how it's just so many more things are involved. Um, but, uh, we, and Jeff and I kind of just took turns. We, we didn't discuss it, but somehow we both decided that only one of us could be falling apart at a time. (laughs) So if we were both started, then it was, we'd, we held hands and it was like tag you're it. And then that person had to be the comforter and the other one was the sobber. And then we just, we. I sound a lot. I'll tell you what, I mean, we've heard that the statistics show that a lot of people that lose a child don't, the marriages don't survive. And I'm not gonna lie that that wasn't on my mind. And I said, that will not, I will not let that happen. Well, I, and, uh, you know, I, I wasn't worried about it. <laughs> you always say that, but I'm just saying you have to. No, no, I get we, it. We, it's traumatic for you yeah. guys too. Yeah. It, we yep. could have easily started. Yeah. Cause we, the we game. Like, yeah. Why yeah. were you traveling so yeah. much? Well, yeah. why, Chris and I thought you had this under control. You were taking her to therapist, you know, we, we could have gone down well, some other road or we're, we could have. We're, we're stronger. We're stronger. We, we are, we're strong. We and you strong. did everything in your power. And we the had beauty. that comfort. That yeah. was a comfort. We, we didn't have regrets. I mean, you have regrets, but yeah. uh, if you look at, if you look at it objectively, we didn't have regrets. We, we felt like, holy cow, you know, we wanted to prevent it, but yeah. aside from locking her in a room <laughs> until she was 25, I mean, there's, we, there's nothing else we could have no. done. 
And I, and, yeah. Um, and she would be the first person I am sure to tell you that because Meg loved her family. She loved her family so much. And she, we knew that she loved us. There was no, I think there's this like, some people just assume that kids who get addicted to drugs or die by suicide or struggle with deep mental health issues, they just assume automatically that, well, there must be some deep, dark family secret or there's, you know, there, there wasn't that. And we're not perfect parents, but we had, we had, you know, yeah. pretty, she had a normal, up, she, normal she, upbringing. She knew she was loved. That gives me comfort too. Yeah. We never, ever didn't. She knew, not just by saying I love you, by our actions. She 100% knew she was loved. And, yeah. and those things give us comfort. Yeah. And, and as I said to you guys before we started recording, as someone who's been in this position, you know, it's really not about that. It's 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 the pain is just so much, you know, obviously, Meg and I have different battles, but, you know, the pain is so much, you know, it's almost like just in life how I mean, I guess, especially for people that deal with mental health troubles, you, you focus on the negative so much more than you do the positive. It's just you can't ever. You yeah. know, and obviously your your mind's not thinking rationally. You're feeling a lot of pain. There's been things that have built up over time. And then obviously from what you guys had said, there were a lot of things happening right at that moment, you know, within that past whatever two months or what whatever time period that mm -hmm. becomes so much so that hard. you're like you yeah. you just want the pain to end, you know. Right. And and Meg and Meg said that. And um, it's a great TEDx. Um, I, I couldn't tell you who gave it, but it was a, an individual that um, uh, attempted suicide three times. And he, he kind of exposed just how deep the hole is. Um, and his message was, it's, it's easier to die than to live yeah. you just don't see yourself it getting any better mm -hmm. so that's why you feel that way you know yeah. is that at least now doing this the pain ends right right and it, right. it's tough for family members and best friends and people like that you know um yeah but you know, it was never, if Wait. anything, I would say you guys are the people that kept her alive. You know what I'm saying? Because you guys were the positives. There were so many of these things that were coming down on her as negatives. The only things that were good for her were probably her best friends, her family, you know, whatever, yeah. you know, was going positively with, you know, extracurriculars or whatever. You know, those are the things that keep you alive, you know? And um... what what um, Blaise Aguirre's um, very well known and respected psychologist was one of Meg's psychiatrists. Oh, he's gonna kill me if he watches this. <laughs> I get I always get him mixed up. Yeah. Regardless, he, he uh, 
he's a psychiatrist at McLean, and he said a lot of these adolescents and young adults who have this incredible pain, um, if we, he said, he compared it um, to telling these young kids who are in their 18s, you know, well, 14 to 20 or what, okay, you have this, you're, you're having open heart surgery. It's going to hurt like hell. It's going to hurt so badly. You know, you're going to have stitches and some days you're going to be okay. You might only need a Motrin or something, but a lot of the days it's just going to, it's going to kill. But if you can hang in there till you're 25, I'm 90% sure you're going to be fine. And that's what you're telling me that yes, they probably, they have a good chance because mental health is treatable. And I am firmly believe that if you let that brain continue to grow and you get some life experience behind you and some perspective that, that basic, um, I'd say you're uh, prone to depression and prone to anxiety and things like that. That's never going away, but your ability to deal with it and to understand it and to understand yourself keeps getting better. So your chances really are good if you can hang in there. It's, 100%. But it's a lot to ask for, for these kids because their pain is real. Yeah. And um, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, it, it often becomes a, an impulsive decision right based off of always. one bad night you know yep. almost that's, always. that's that's a tough part you yep. know it's just yep. you know yeah um yeah. you know i have some more general advice questions but i mean i guess is there anything that you want to um talk about you know to you know, a parent out there that maybe has lost a child or, um, you know, how we're, what, what, I guess for you, I mean, everybody grieves differently. Was there a, a part where you had to go through guilt versus, you know, there's guilt, there's, um, mourning, there's, there's so I'll, many things I'll, going on. I'll be honest, Arna, yeah. I hope that, uh, your message reaches the, the parents and the families that their child is still alive. Yeah. And, um, you know, not that you can, you're going to be the cure as, as a parent or as a podcast, but, um, <clears throat> you know, they got to keep trying. <laughs> Don't give up. There's, yeah, never give up. The pain, um, as, as I'm sure they know, we were at our wits end many times um, when Meg was in treatment and when she was home with us, but the pain of losing your child is going to be thousands of yeah. times worse than those moments. And if you can stick together as a couple or as a family or whatever, you know, you need support, you need self-care, but. And reach out, ask for help. Um, Every avenue is. And this is the parents we're talking about. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Because your best resources are other parents. Right. We were, you know, Kristen did so much work um, 
And, and it's amazing how hard it is to find support and resources. And, and word of mouth is the best. It, NAMI it really is, is a wonderful organization. Um, but to me, that's the message is for the, for for families that have that are struggling or that have, that are dealing with the pain. Uh, I don't have any good advice. Love your spouse. <laughs> Well, I, I would say, children. I would say, don't beat yourself up because if I, I can honestly say if Meg didn't have that serious suicide attempt where she almost died senior year in high school and we didn't ratchet up the treatment to the next level, which we already thought we were doing what we were supposed to be doing. I don't think I would feel as I really didn't struggle with a lot of guilt. I didn't. And I, that was a humongous weight off my shoulder, shoulders. Um, but having said that, what I've come to learn, and I'm still involved with the mental health community, um, I advocate and meet with people who have lost their, their children um, to suicide. And what I've learned along the way is nothing, whatever, whether or not we did that next step with Meg, her journey was going to be her journey. So you can't, no, you can't just ignore it. Of course, you're, you, you're in the moment, you're in the fight, you're, you're helping them get the resources they need. But the best thing we all can do is just love them and validate them and help them make it another day. And um, I just hope people aren't out there beating themselves up about their child's journey because most often these aren't like after school specials where if the one parent just did something better, this kid wouldn't have done blah, blah, blah to himself. It's just not that way. Most kids suffering today are from completely, you know, as normal as we can be families and we're all doing our best. And, and so just, just love yourself and don't beat yourself up. That's what I would say to them. Yeah. And love your spouse. Yeah. <laughs> and your children. And your children. Yeah. Um, I, I, I guess for people trying to support someone like in your, in your position, is there a right thing to say or even now is it something you guys want to talk about if you meet up with an old friend or like how what is your position um, on we, that we want and love for people to talk about meg we embrace it we talk about her most days and um you know, at first it's really hard because every single time you think or talk about her, you're, you end up in tears. And, um, but it's, there's really not too many things someone could, like someone, people are uncomfortable and they'll say, well, I don't want to bring this up. And you're not bringing anything up. It's like a running movie right back here that never, ever ends. My Megan, my little Maggie, ever since she was a little baby, all those special memories it's it's running 24 7 right back here and I, my heart 
broke and it it's like there's a part of it that will never ever heal but that we want to talk about her that doesn't change yeah. anything we love pictures and we love stories, movies stories everything. it's it's uh comforting yes um this might be a tough question but you know how often do you guys think about her <laughs> 24 7 i all mean it, we yeah. think about her all the time i don't I'd think say... it's a tough question or i mean it's just to kristen's point the movie's running yeah. it's always going it's just whether it's front and center or i mean i still will i'll hear a song or i did a lot of my um emotional crying and getting it all out I did it two places in my car when I was by myself, usually commuting you know, to work or doing errands or on runs. I'm a runner and I would just put my headphones in and go and I would just sob. And no one really can tell when you're running because they just <laughs> think you have like runners. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're, I mean, it's just like this little ache that's always there. And, um, but there's also really heartwarming and good memories too. And we try to, you know, concentrate on that. And um, yeah. Obviously, you know, I've lost friends of mine and so it's a different relationship, but I'm curious that bittersweet aspect, have you guys found any, like I've, I've tried, you know, and this is a selfish question, but I've tried so hard to focus on the positives and then the memory have, have you guys found anything that helps you with you know trying to stay on that track rather than worrying about the the bitter part well i don't know if i i don't there's not bitterness um there's remorse there's the whole but yeah. you know we have uh uh First sign for me is is the hawk in the sky. She visits us all the time. All the time. And sometimes not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes it special when she does. Yeah. But um, and everybody's different in their grieving. Um, and and how I I just made a decision that. I was not going to let this um, define me is not the right word because it, it is a huge part of me, but I, I was, I just thought no matter what, no matter how long it takes, I'm moving forward. And my goal is to be happy again, yeah. whatever that takes. And, and so, that's what Meg wants too, is that she doesn't want you guys to oh, be sad. Would, you know, hated that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for me, it was, I did, I made a conscious decision. I, about, about, um, I mean, we could go into so much detail about the early months and weeks of grieving and all that, which <clears throat> were absolutely awful. But at some point, um, I Googled how long does it take to <laughs> grieve, um, you know, losing a child because and I, and I read that, you know, minimally it takes a year or something. Yeah. 
And I'm like, I'm doing it in nine months. I'm going for nine months because I wanted the pain to go away. Yeah, yeah. You can't make the pain go away. But we kept super busy. We, I said to our friends that they were around our house for two weeks. Every 24-7, our house was filled with so much love and tenderness and laughter and company. And I knew they were going away because that's what has to happen. Everybody has to go back to work. And I looked them all in the eye and I said, don't you dare leave us. Don't. And we had a year of, and this wouldn't work for everyone, but we had went to people's homes for dinner. We went out to dinner. They came, they brought us dinner and sat down and had dinner with us. It just brings a sense of normalcy. You know, I had, a friend group that I get together with every every year um, for a ladies trip decided to go to Puerto Rico. Um, and one of our friends generously basically, you know, uh, funded a good portion of that trip. And it was so, I was, I was still in very deep pain. It had only been four or five months and I was in very deep pain. And I remember standing out on the deck and thinking, you know, surrounding by nature, which is helpful to me too. We did a lot of walks in the woods with our dogs. And I thought, well, I could be in this much pain in Acton, or I could be in this much pain surrounded by six of my best friends in the world in, in the tropics. I mean, and we, again, we we're very fortunate that we had these experiences. We had a family trip planned to Germany already. Megan was supposed to come and we went through with that. And um, we called them, well, I, we, we had a couple of things. We said, it's the year of distraction. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're mourning, but we also want everyone as much as possible to distract us from our pain. And uh, we also said it was the year of sighing because <laughs> several times a day, most days, one or the other of us would just go. <sighs> and we knew that we were just, that meant we were having a moment and in a like gut wrenching stab you in. And when you talk about the pain of depression, I've said this a million times, Meg used to tell us about this pain and, and we, we validated her and we believed her, but we couldn't, we, I've never experienced it. I've, yeah. I've dealt with some depression in my life but not to the point of complete and utter hopelessness. Um, so uh, when she died, I remember screaming in my car and crying, is this what you meant? Is this the pain you feel every day? And I think it might be. Like so that physical, not like mental, I'm stressed, I'm sad, I'm lonely, this like, physical I can't eat I can't I can't I can't barely live you want to curl up so to appreciate that that's what a lot of people are going through wow we gotta we gotta help these people yeah um I want to end on some like positive or funny stories of Meg that you can share with us and and to the listeners so they can feel 
her her spirit before i do that is there anything else that you guys would like to say about you know this whole your lives i guess <laughs> your, the situation anything that else that you think might be of value um that i might not have thought of or something like that no i think our lives are forever changed and we wish we wish that it could have been a different way um but you know this this is our new new normal it has been now for many years and we've been blessed with a granddaughter and life um life can and does get better you have to be open to it um that's a good point and um embrace those the good everybody's struggling not just not just with mental health there's obviously there's so much sadness and and things going on in the world and with people in their lives and uh uh physical you know ailments and and but we all collectively the world we just have to um stay the, stay the course and look for the positive and our family motto has because of what meg went through is to be kind and so that would be that's always our message i'd say be kind yeah yeah um yeah why don't you tell us some uh this for those of us that don't know her you know as well as you guys you know some funny some positive uh what are what how can people that are listening embody meg's spirit as they move forward in their days well one of mine is uh um she's probably 18 or 19 maybe some i don't know but um as kristen had said she's uh uh she was a rebel and you know she was always the first one to try anything and um one day it was we had a a, a family car that the girls used and so my my uh, third daughter was learning how to drive and and usually meg drove the car and so um meg might have been at work i don't know where she was but we took the the honda out and i'm sitting in the passenger seat and i'm just kind of fiddling around while my my meredith is driving and i pop open the glove box and there's this little box and it's a hookah and, and i'm like I'm like what the heck is this so i'm looking at it and mary's like oh that, that's a she, I go, I know what it is. I know exactly what it is. So I, you know, I promptly, after the, after our little uh, driving test or driving practice is over, I take the hookah and I throw it out. I, I think I take it to the town dump and it's gone. And so I don't tell Meg and, and I want to say two, three days go by. And, and I'm sure in those two, three days, she's like waiting maybe to uh, me for me to tell her and I don't I don't say anything I don't know what happened <laughs> yeah um and next thing you know she, she calls me she and she knows that I don't even know if we had text at that point but she didn't want to confront me but she so she leaves me a voicemail and and I still have it and she's just like dad dad what's going on that's not my hookah it's my friends I'm holding it for a friend and they really want it back. And, and so you need to give that back to me. It's not mine. And it was just a classic. 
classic Meg. And 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 I have a lot, a lot of little stories like that where I found her her pot stash once. <laughs> I took that. It was in a little Hello Kitty bag. And uh, uh, we would we we would tease her and and all in good fun. I think and I know she always took it the right way, but it was it's the kind of thing where it was my my way as a dad to just kind of tweak her a little bit and say, you know, you're not gonna get away with everything. Because every now and then we're gonna find <laughs> something that you did. Yeah. So I have a funny story that we we um I think we found out that she had she had her our house was always the house that everybody was sleeping over mm. with all the girls and so we found out somehow some way that megan and her friends had snuck out one night and they were probably only in like ninth or tenth grade 10th grade maybe i think 10th grade and um so i decide you know okay we'll go everyone's going to bed yep we're all there we have sleeping bags everywhere we're who knows where they're sleeping in the basement their bedrooms they have plenty of room and so um i go to the we we didn't have a mud room but our garage door um we were kind of a shoes off unofficially a shoes off house for at least for the kids so i went and i lined up all the shoes just right so i had a feeling so anyway next morning comes they're all in bed the shoes are all cockamamie <laughs> And so I just, again, we don't say anything. Her, her friends get up, we make breakfast on a bacon and eggs, whatever. And um, I said, uh, so where were you guys last night? And they're all like, what do you mean? I'm like, how many times have I told you I have eyes all over this town? They're like, what? How did you know? I'm like, I am not giving away my sources, but. You're grounded. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's funny. She was always pushing the edge. She was, she was, uh, that was what made her great. She had yeah. that just devil may care attitude. We had the best Christmas time. And then we went on a, our best family vacation ever to Key West for a week, um, right after Christmas before Meg died. And we we're also th thankful for those memories. Um, but she was the life of the party and she was, you know, we didn't really fight when she was a teenager, but we didn't talk a lot because I think she, she knew, she knew we would, we were, she and I are a lot alike. And I think she didn't want to have the fight. So she just didn't have the fight. And, mm. you know, we, we kind of muddled around it, but there was tension. Right. So we had, we had gotten beyond that. And now we're like, you know, we're kind of coming out of it and we're talking like more like adults and um, more on a friend level than a parent. And it was just like, just right there. I could, yeah. Oh, yeah. I could see it. I could see it. Well, and you saw it, Arno. I mean, just at the funeral, you know, yeah. just, you know, I was shocked at how many people showed up. It's amazing. Yeah. No. If there was there was one thing that you knew about her, she would smile and say hi to you no matter, you know what. And that was a great, great quality. And even you know doing my research for this, you know I went back on her old Facebook, and I mean you can't even. It takes you like 
an hour to go back to 2016 because it's just like there's posts from 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020 of, of friends and um, people making blog posts, people saying, you know, videos and, um, you know, it's just it's incredible to see, you know, the number of people and the depth um, of her love and how it touched so many people you know that's an amazing quality you know um for... I'd like to think she helped some of those people yeah she I, did um, we had a good friend of hers um, she helped Allie. yeah a very good friend of hers that she met at um when she was in treatment is still a good friend of ours now and um we spent some time with her this summer and um and she said i i I candidly asked her, you know, you and Meg were both in the depths of this, like different reasons, but same depths. What, how did, like, cause I want, I, I want to know like you, Arna, what's the, what's the, what's the magic? I want to know because I want, yeah. you got to tell everybody. Yeah. And she said, seriously. And she got pretty emotional. She said, kind of Megan and she she shared a story with me that I'm not comfortable sharing that's the, their private uh, memory but yeah I think that sometimes when even though this these kids that suffer and, and young adults that suffer and all people that suffer yes we validate yes their pain is real all those things are true but maybe when you see someone you're super close to actually go through with those with that impulsive thought and you see the world around that person crumbling. Maybe it gives you pause to go another day, another day, yeah. a week. And, and, and to know, know that you're loved. And right yeah. now, her, that friend that shared that is happy mm -hmm. and thriving. And yeah. so. That's good. That yeah. also, you know, it, it gives us um, some, some, hope and that maybe maybe meg didn't die in vain no not at all not at so all. no yeah. she she spread love wherever she was yeah. yeah well um jeff and kristen i just want to uh thank you guys um a million times over um for coming on here and sharing your experience. Um, Sorry. Sorry. No, no, no. It's, um, it's a, it's a very tough thing to talk about, you know, and, um, you know, I, I really appreciate um, your vulnerability, um, you know, and wanting to share your, Meg's story, your stories, you know, what, what you learned, how, uh, you know, the advice you can give to others. Um, and most importantly, to just, you know, continue to destigmatize, you know, and continue to have these conversations and make sure, you know, if we can to prevent anyone from feeling uh, the way we do. Um, and making sure anybody out there dealing with issues um, realizes they're not crazy and you can 
gain the tools, you know, and, and the coping mechanisms and, you know, um, you know, and I think you guys even said that, like she had built those up, you know, and, and that was the great part. It's just, you know, the timing of, of three major things happening, Mm -hmm. you know, in a short period of time, it's, it's tough, it's tough, but I think to, to your credit, to, you know, her credit, to everybody's credit, you know, she had built up, um, a good amount, you know, and was, you know, in her second year and, um, you know, had it not been for some of those dominoes, you know, she would may, may still be here, but, um, I, I think I, you know, no one knows for sure. Um, but she was on the right path and, um, yeah. And, and those things happened and, um, and yeah, I think it had a big impact on her. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and credit to you, Arna, for for this series. I'm sure uh, it'd be easy. (laughs) it, 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 It does become easier because in the sense, this is how I keep their spirit alive, you know? is 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 making because for you know um including megan the three people that i know um that have passed away you know every one of them you know was you know an advocate and even and meg i i still remember that that picture i am not my scars or something like that you know and it was you know and and at the end of the day as we talked about, they would want us to be happy and they would be proud of the work we're doing. It's just, you know, unfortunately, you know, one bad night, um, can, can be life-changing, but yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, I agree. I second that you're doing a lot of good work for mental health. So thank you. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Awesome.